Welcome to Me and Mary Jane with your host, Patricia A. Patton. Well, hello everyone. This is Patricia A. Patton, AKA Can of Boomer, coming to you on the Me and Mary Jane podcast. Today, we have a special guest, really kicking off for us, Brain Injury Awareness Month. Their hashtag is more than my brain injury and no one better to represent that than Nikki Lolly. Welcome, Nikki. Thanks so much for having me, Patricia. It's awesome to meet you in uh, the Zoom world. Yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. You know, you have friends in the ether and then you have friends in real life. So we haven't had an opportunity to really meet. We're also joined by my uh, good friend, Ruth Kern, who has um, personal experience with TBIs. And so she's going to help me tease this out for the listeners. I want to just say initially that Nikki is a former pediatric nurse. She is the founder of Nikki and the Plant. She's a cannabis educator and advocate, widely respected in the ethosphere. So, you know, that's my made up word for the, the internet ethosphere. So, so listen, um, let me give just a few, set the uh, space up for listeners who like me didn't know anything about brain injury. Um, and the facts from the Brain Injury Association are that every nine seconds, someone in the United States sustains a brain injury. Like this blows my mind, you know? It completely blows my mind. There, there's a whole list of typical causes and of those, they say that at least 2.8 million people sustain a TBI each year, although 3.6 million sustain an ABI. An ABI is an acquired brain injury as opposed to a traumatic brain injury. So Nikki, how did this happen to you? So it's kind of crazy, Patricia. I was just doing my job like any other day as a pediatric nurse in a clinic for children. And a child didn't want a vaccine, pretty normal operating procedure in uh, pediatrics. And he actually threw his head at me and I bounced into a wall and back into his head. Um, I was trying to help restrain him so another nurse could administer the vaccine. And my life changed in a second. Um, I never expected it to be the, the last day I would work as a nurse in my chosen profession. However, my life changed dramatically at that moment. Um, I began to suffer from chronic pain, headaches that never went away. I still have those headaches today. Um, it was a whiplash type injury. So my ligaments in my neck were damaged. And as a result, that wasn't really explored during my initial courses of treatment. And, you know, I suffered from the chronic pain, this headache that never goes away on a seven to 10 
a seven pain scale on a one to 10 rate, you know, rating scale. And um, it's behind my eyes and at the base of my skull all the time. If I don't medicate with cannabis, I really can't function. Um, Cognitive function also was affected dramatically. Uh, I'm a former business owner as well as um, casino card dealer. And I can't do basic math anymore. Um, the anxiety and the depression that followed after my injury were so significant that I was absolutely planning my death. I was on, um, over 60 different drugs at different times during this recovery. I was seen by over 50 providers, um, spent my own life savings on trying to get answers. Um, because I was hurt at nurt at work, I, um, I was forced into the New York state workers comp system, which is not a patient friendly system whatsoever. It's a system designed to basically get you back to work as quick as possible. No one wanted to go back to work more than myself, but I was absolutely incapacitated. I couldn't function. Um, When I say I was depressed, it wasn't a little case of the sads. It was being unable to get out of my bed. It was unable to really do anything that required any kind of more than just waking up. Um, It was scary. It was, uh, my husband was my caregiver, basically. Um, I went from being this independent, highly functioning human to an absolute shell of the human I am today. Um, Do you still feel that way? Do you still feel that you are a shell of a human? Or do you compare yourself to life before and now a lot still? Yes, I miss the old Nikki. I miss the old Nikki that was able to do math. I miss the old Nikki that was able to make a difference um, with my personality. I feel that my injury actually gave me more of a purpose in life, if that makes any sense. I feel that Um, this happened to me so I could educate others about the realness of invisible disability and invisible illnesses. Um, so many people really suffer from them in silence and until it happens to you, you really don't understand what that even encompasses or what that means. So let's talk Uh, about that for a moment, because I think the idea of having an invisible disability or an invisible disease is something that people don't talk about. I mean, often people suffer from things that they're trying to communicate to their professional person and they're unable to come to some sort of agreement or, you know, they can't translate it so that someone can address it. You're a medical practitioner yourself, you know, you're a healer. How was that experience for you in trying to talk to people who really are your cohorts? So it was sort of nuts. I was treated like I was crazy. I was treated like um, we don't see it and there's nothing on your scans. So you shouldn't still be having these problems and you should be back to work by now. You should be, you know, working and, you know, you're just being lazy. You're just like faking it. No one could possibly want to fake a brain injury. No one could ever want that depression and that overwhelming sense of imposter syndrome or the overwhelming sense that you're not good enough, um, anymore, because now 
your brain doesn't work the way it once did. And having doctors just over and over dismiss my symptoms was heartbreaking. And it was, you guys, I was one of you just, you know, a month ago or six months ago or a year ago. And now you're treating me like I'm a crazy patient and there's nothing further from the truth. And they just give me new drugs and more drugs and more drugs. And, you know, I never, I've always been a pretty compliant person. So I did what the doctors told me. I did what I was supposed to do. I never, ever dreamed of cannabis as medicine, especially being a pediatric nurse. So when, you know, I was at my lowest point, Patricia, um, it was January of 2017. And I was trying to figure out how to kill myself. Um, I was in Las Vegas on vacation because my husband trying to be the wonderful human he is tried to cheer me up. And one of my favorite places to go prior to my injury was Las Vegas. And I was in that room for three days straight, just sobbing in the corner. And I had money to gamble. I had, you know, a beautiful hotel and I couldn't get out of the corner. I couldn't function. And a as I was planning my death, I was actually looking over the balcony of the Cosmopolitan Hotel. Um, I was only seven stories up and the pool area was three stories below me. So I'm looking over the balcony saying, how can I do this? And a billboard came by saying, get your medical marijuana card in Nevada today. And immediately my brain went and registered to the old, just say no to drug campaign, the Nancy Reagan, uh, talking in the background with the brain frying in the frying pan, your brain on drugs. And so all I could think of was, oh yeah, great idea, Nikki. Let's go get your medical weed card and fry your brain on drugs. And it was like cynical. It wasn't like I actually thought this could be helpful. Um, my husband came back to the hotel room and he literally said, you know, you're destroying our vacation. You know, we can't continue like this. How am I supposed to live like this? And I'm like, how am I supposed to live like this? I can't stop thinking about dying. I can't stop thinking about this vicious cycle of anxiety and depression, just leaving the room and being around people and, you know, flashing lights and anything that I had always loved about Vegas became an absolute agony kind of task. So my husband said, well, why don't we go check this, get your medical weed card in Nevada out? And so we did. Um, and if you knew my husband, you would not believe he actually said that because he's like truly the last American Boy Scout, meaning, you know, he doesn't drink. He doesn't do anything illegal. He doesn't do anything. He's just a really conservative kind of guy. And he was totally indoctrinated by the war on drugs as well. Had I smoked cannabis before my injury? Absolutely. But I looked at it as a recreational substance. I looked at it as a glass of wine. I never smoked it during my initial stages of recovery because again, it's not medicine. It's That would be like, you know, going and grabbing a bottle of alcohol and down in that thinking it's going to help you. Um, that was my mindset. And I can honestly tell you that I have, 180 degree were reversed that concept since I found cannabis as medicine. So the first, when you got your card, well, let me backtrack for a second and let me ask Ruth, 
Um, is any of this resonating with you, you know, in terms of the concept of an invisible injury or invisible disease? Did you have a similar experience? You know, people look at people look at you and say, you look normal, but you look so normal. You know, um, how could there possibly be something wrong with you? And it's a very disheartening place to be. I think to build on that just a little bit, somebody said to me at one point when I was recovering, you're smarter now than most people will ever be. What's your problem? So, and Nikki, I see you nodding your head. People ask you to settle for less than you are, less than you know you can be less than you want to be. So absolutely, this invisible disease thing. That The thing about the statistics too, Patricia, you're more likely to know somebody with a brain injury than you are who had cancer. Well, that what's um, one of the other statistics that I did mention is that a lot of them are unacknowledged, you know, or, or unknown. I mean, you happen to be two people, you know, who, uh, you know, didn't go to bed after you bumped your head or something happened or you didn't just let it sit. So, um, I mean, cause I know, because I know you Ruth, I know that you have worked to have what you have, you know, in terms of procedures and all. So, okay, let me just pop back over here to Nikki. So how did you figure out what cultivar, what terpenes, you know, cannabis as medicine, do you, um, consume something in particular or was it any cannabis that you got the first time that you went and made this decision so when i went to the dispensary the first time in nevada i was recommended everything from gummies to tinctures to you name it and i started trying all those edible means and nothing was helping like it wasn't working and then i smoked a joint and when I smoked that joint that that bud tender recommended for the first time, I was able to go out to dinner. I was going, I went from being in the corner crying to actually going out to dinner. That gave me the slightest tiny bit of hope that maybe there was something to this. When I came home to New York, Patricia, chronic pain, anxiety, depression, any of the symptoms I was suffering were not part of our approved list of conditions. I live 15 minutes from the border of the US and Canada. Canada had a medical program and I had a lot of friends in Canada. My friends offered several months after this because I got right back to the dark place once I wasn't able to access cannabis in New York state, I went right back to the SADS and the more drugs and the more pills. And again, these were all prescribed by doctors and they made me more crazy than I was off of them. Um, and I, when I mean say crazy, I mean crazy, like snapping at people, like a mean person. I mean, these drugs totally messed up my brain chemistry and made me feel that death was the only way out, the only way of functioning. And so my friends in Canada said, hey, we have pot over here. I'll get my card and you can come over here and stay with us and, you know, see if it works for you. So that began my journey of being a cannabis medical refugee in Canada. And I would go to Canada every other week and spend two to five days there trying different products 
and trying to figure out what would work. And what was cool about Canada is there was this app and it was uh, like a phone app that you could like log and journal your cannabis experience. Well, what was now? Huh? It's like Tetragram now where you can log. Your exactly, experience. exactly. But what was different about strain print and Tetragram was in Canada, all of that information was required to be provided, like the back end information, the COAs, the recipe of the plant was required by the licensed producers to provide that to the consumers. The strain print app actually has it on the back end so that it's all there already. So you then as a consumer can put in, you know, I used a volcano vaporizer with that size bowl or whatever, and it will give you how much you're actually consuming. It will tell you based on the hardware you're using, how much you're inhaling or utilizing. It will tell you what terpenes and what minor cannabinoids are working for you. And then like you log how bad you feel at the beginning of the session. And then it reminds you a half hour later to say, how are you feeling now? And then it gives you real-time feedback to be able to have that information as a consumer or give it to your doctor or however way. And that app made all the difference in the world for me because I had never seen anything like it. And a strain name to me means nothing. Like for instance, Blue Dream in Canada, there's 22 different cultivars on the strain print app. Having 22 different effects, having 22 different recipes, if you will, to that plant, everyone has a different reaction to it. So, and it's all anonymous, it's all like HIPAA compliance and everything like that, this data, but it gave me a starting point and it, and I literally lived to go to Canada. I mean, I would fight all I could during the week because I couldn't bring my medicine home from Canada. So you have to consume it in Canada. So I became really literally the border knew me on a first name basis. They recognized my Jeep because I have a unique license plate. I love moose. Um, <laughs> kind of weird, but yeah, that's my thing. Polka dots, moose and cannabis, my three favorite things. Um, and I really absolutely love the Canadian system. And when COVID hit, there went my medicine, there went my ability to access medicine. Um, yes, New York state had products at this point, and I'm a New York state medical patient, but it's not the same as in Canada. Um, well, let's talk about that. Okay. How is it different? Because that's, I mean, this is another, it's kind of a higher level conversation for people who don't know, or who are kind of curious what's different about what's available in New York versus what you could, your medicine in Canada? Sure. So in New York state, we now have whole flour. That just happened about three or four months ago. Up until then, we had ground flour. And the only thing we had for ground flour was $95 for an eighth of cannabis. That's a really high amount of cannabis. That's basically three joints for those of you who might need a reference of how much that really is. And those three joints for $95, if you do the math, I mean, that's a pretty high amount for your medicine. Yeah. Um, and the products, all you had was a THC and CBD percent. 
for me, what I found in Canada, because of having the app and able to see what was working, the lower THC percents actually worked better for me with specific terpene profiles. And what, and what's, what are your, I mean, what have you found about your terpene profiles? My terpene profiles are high in limonene, pinene, and both alpha and beta pinene, as well as um, linalool. Uh, linalool works better for me than myrcene. I find products that are super high in myrcene and beta carefalene are very sedating and give me that couch lock feeling, which for me is not how I want to feel. I want to feel more alert and more functioning. So one of the huge differences between the New York State Medical Program and the Canadian Medical Program is access to this information. So I was just at the dispensary last week here in New York State, and I went and got a product from Curaleaf, uh, Cheddar Melt. <laughs> Cheddar Melt, That's I mean- scary. <laughs> I didn't melt. It actually worked pretty good because it's a cheese derivative. And I found like specific sort of names work. Like, yes, I like Blue Dream, but only from certain cultivars. Um, I've tried 35 strains of gelato and I've never had like a really positive impact, even though that's somewhat the right terpene profile, according to Leafly. When I went to Vegas this past uh, year for MJ BizCon, I got a gelato pre-roll from Verano. And it was the first time I ever felt medicated from a gelato strain in this particular case. So it's really customized. It's medicine that's customized medicine. for you. Well, yeah, it's, it's medicine. It's like compounding in a way. It's kind of the conversation that Lynn May has about, you know, understanding who you are and uh, what works for you. Now, what I'm interested in um, knowing, and certainly Ruth, jump in if you, anytime you feel like it, we still have another 10 minutes. What I'm interested in knowing is how do you communicate what you just told me? Because two years ago, I wouldn't have known what you're saying. But I mean, I understand completely what you're saying and I understand how important it is that people, um, arrive at a place like that so that you are empowered, you know, to get the medicine you want, you know? I mean, so how do you share that as an advocate, like outside of the, um, the business of cannabis hour or talking to the choir? Where are you able to share that information so that others can benefit from it? So I try and really dumb it down. Um, I try to think of when I was first a patient and how I sort of started to learn about it. And certain books really helped me. Others didn't. They went right over my head. Um, the Medical Cannabis Primer by Ruth Fisher was one of the first books I was ever able to actually understand having a traumatic brain injury and actually there's a lot of pictures, a lot of diagrams, and it's really based out of, can of California. So I learned about a lot about California cannabis, and I was able to kind of apply that information in a way that made sense to me. And I don't learn the same way I used to before a brain injury. Like I can't sit down and listen to a podcast over and over again because it just goes in and it goes out. So being able to retain and have a reference point was really important to how I learned. Um, speaking at our local town councils, 
board meeting about cannabis. Uh, they were ready to opt out of having adult use consumption sites and adult use retail in our town. And I actually spoke on behalf of medical patients. And I literally just said, cannabis is medicine and we need to open up that conversation. People don't know what they don't know. I didn't know no, absolutely. how what I did then. And, you know, as a nurse, if you would have told me your kid was taking cannabis for seizures, I would have called child protective services. I would have said, Hey, you know, this is not cool. And now I'm 180 degrees the other way. Like you need to tell your doctor that you're giving this to Johnny for your seizures, even though I'm no longer practicing as a nurse, that information is really important to communicate with your doctor because there are drug to drug interactions that patients need to be aware of. If you have glaucoma and I'm using this as just an example, but if you have a glaucoma and you walk into an adult use dispensary and you're say 75 years old and walking in for the first time, they're going to look at you as the 75 year old person. They're not going to understand your medical conditions and they're going to probably recommend something super high in CBD, which having glaucoma that actually increases your eye pressure and you don't want to have CBD. You need THC, but the bud tender wouldn't necessarily know that. And the patient, it's the first time and they're trying out cannabis for the first time, they wouldn't necessarily know that. So it's really important that we educate not only the consumers, but the bud tenders. And everyone's all high on getting doctors educated. Yes, that's incredibly important. But the patients at the end of the day are really the experts. We're the ones really using the medicine. And that really needs to be communicated. I've got a quick question. So I would have loved to have had this information, but I'm sitting here listening to you talk, thinking, where would I have gotten this? You know, where would I have known to go? You know, I had a hard time finding my shoes. How am I going to find this information? Who do you educate? And I know you talked about educating medical professionals, educating bud tenders, educating consumers is ideal, but how do you do that? That's one of the biggest problems, Ruth, in this whole, you know, mirage of uh, the industry mm -hmm. is how do you find the information? Because I didn't know where to turn either. So I created Nikki and the plant and again, I'm not tech savvy now because of my injury, but I created Nikki and the plant to be sort of that let's help remove the stigma and let's talk to people about cannabis as medicine in a way that they can understand it. And like the day I found out terpenes are really essential oils was sort of eye opening for me, you know, to understand that that word really is just essential oils and that communicating that in a way others can understand is how I found my medicine and what worked for me. But that information isn't readily available. We try and keep it so technical, you know, in the science end, but as a patient, I didn't understand that. And I'm a medical professional. I was never taught about the endocannabinoid system as a medical professional. And so how do we reach those people? And one of my target markets is those women, especially over 45, trying to understand cannabis for the first time. I mean, we've been indoctrinated 
with the just say no campaign and the war on drugs. And, you know, that's a real thing. And, you know, when I understood, you know, how racist this plant was, I mean, that blew my mind. That just blew my mind. And, you know, I talk a lot with the Akem team, um, the, the Knox docs and things like that. And, you know, I actually had a situation where I had cannabis mailed to me in the mail and it got seized by law enforcement. And they, Jessica Knox literally said, if you were black, you would be in jail right now. Forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. You would not be just getting a letter. You would literally be in jail. Yeah. That flipped me out. You know, that kind of level of understanding. Yes. Yeah. You said, I just want to clear this up. So nobody comes and says, you said this, you said, when I realized how racist the plant was, I know you didn't mean that, you know, I know you meant how racist society was uh, yes. when it comes to the plant, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Thanks yeah. for clarifying. So I'm just going to make sure no one's coming for you for saying the plant is racist. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. That's part of the problem with brain injury. It comes out wrong sometimes. One, and I still say stuff that doesn't make sense sometimes. You know, I have another, I have another really mechanical, you know, body mechanics question. So, um, there's a lot of really good research about um, the anti-inflammatory effect of cannabis in general. How do you think that helped you? I mean, because you talked about headaches, you talked about neck pain, you talked about. Um, all those things that are related to the nerves in the head and neck. Was that, did, and how did your cognitive functioning play into this? So I guess that's like a three-part question. Sorry, so unfair. It's all good. It's all good. I'll try and answer it in three parts. Um, the way I found it really impacted my neuroinflammation, if we want to use a really high-level term, would be I had subsequent head injuries after this one uh, that I suffered at work. And you know, one, you know, that's very common, right? It is because You're, our depth perception is off because our um, the way we navigate things. So I hit my head more than I've ever hit my head in my life now. Um, and I attribute my recovery. So in 2016 is when my injury happened at work. In 2017, May of 2017, I fell and I hit my head on a glass countertop. And I mean, I looked scary, you guys. I mean, like I had, I passed out. It was a whole big thing. I recovered faster from that. And I truly believe it's because of the neuroprotective effects of cannabis being in my system that I, I mean, if you saw me at, you know, the injury number three at work, compared to injury number four, I mean, drastic visual difference. However, I recovered much faster from that, you know, fourth one, and then the fifth one and the sixth one and the seventh one than I ever did from that first one. And so in answer to your question, I truly believe beta carefalene is one of the main um, terpenes that helps with, you know, the neuroprotective qualities. And so I really kind of focused on that and CBD flowers high in CBD. And I think that made all the difference. I think having cannabis on board made all the difference for my neuroprotective situation. Fascinating. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Very, very, very interesting. So um, 
what is your dream? Like if I, if I could wave a wand, given the way the industry is now, and of course it's changing, shifting, what have you. Of course you need a, a, a platform with wider distribution because the message and what you have to share deserves to be heard by more people. So what is your kind of dream for say the next year to 18 months? I'd love to hear it. And of course, anything that we can do to help you do that, we will. So I wanna get the message out. I know what I'm good at and what I can do right now. I know that sharing my story has been powerful and impactful. I've been on over 50 podcasts, including Montel Williams. And that's a way of getting your voice heard, but people are missing it from a standpoint of it's not mainstream medical, it's not mainstream media. So the people that need to hear this message aren't really hearing it. People in the industry are hearing it and they're very impressed with the story, but how do we normalize this conversation and get it to CNN and get it to, you know, 60 minutes? How do I get, you know, this message? It's never been about Nikki Lolly and being famous ever. It's been about this plant and its healing properties. So in a perfect world, I would like to develop my own products, patient developed products specifically targeting the chronic head pain and neck pain and specifically targeting uh, the brain fog and cognitive function and also the anxiety and depression and educating people on how to find those products. And I believe if we can do, you know, real world evidence research, I mean, my ultimate dream was to create a cannabis friendly resort, a medical focused cannabis friendly resort in Las Vegas, but that requires quite a significant investment. And I'm not a CEO. I mean, I recognize that, but I know I have enough passion for many other survivors. And I know that I can be a voice for those that can't use their voice. And so trying to normalize that conversation, to have an MSO that would like to partner with me to help launch these products. I have formulations in mind and I have people helping me with those, but to actually launch these products and have a research-based platform that people can communicate their experiences with them that are brain injury sufferers. Because, you know, the football thing where, you know, the NFL invested a million dollars. I mean, a million dollars is nothing, <laughs> you know, I mean, especially not for the NFL when they're, you know, I don't even know what they made, you know, at just the Super Bowl, but, you know, there's a lot of un misunderstanding and miscommunication of some of these larger companies. The patient's are the experts. The patients are the ones that need to be heard. And I feel that if someone were to invest in me as a patient voice, I feel that my message could be heard. And I feel that, you know, that executive function that they have versus what I have could really make a huge impact. I think you're right. I think that you're definitely uh, the brain injury awareness associations. Uh, more than my brain injury poster child. Uh, I hope that our listeners have been able to um, gain a better understanding of the complexity of both the industry and patients inside that. We've got just a minute and 30 seconds left on our uh, podcast, but I want people to know where to find you. So tell us quickly 
where the best place to find you is, Nikki? Sure. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook as well as uh, LinkedIn as Nikki Lolly, N-I-K-K-I. Lolly is L-A-W-L-E-Y. I also have a website, Nikki and the plant spelled out dot uh, org, as well as a YouTube channel, Nikki and the plant. Wow. So listen, it's been a fully packed few minutes. I want to thank you so much for making time to talk to us, Nikki. Ruth, thank you so much for your insightful questions. And if you have heard anything that makes any sense, share this with your other friends and listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us today. Pass the word. Share the love. Like, subscribe, tell a friend. Can't wait to talk to you again on the next episode. Thank you.